Today I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Read with me the word of the Lord. Now in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For, to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry, and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I, will, I do not commend you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our Lord, dear Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Ooh, that was a little spicy. Paul is not pleased with our friends, the Corinthians, but we'll get to that in a second. When I first accepted this job, I thought that the hardest part would be moving to Detroit or, you know, adjusting to full-time work with part-time school and, or being online for school. I thought all of that might be the most difficult. Um, but what I've found is the that I miss most is something that happened on Monday nights at five o'clock. In college, I was given a mentor. Uh, her name was Miriam. She was a pastor in the area, uh, and we met every month, probably once a month, for two years of college. And then when I graduated, she ended up inviting me to dinner, uh, and it was a dinner that she had uh, with her family, her husband, and her two kids, and a myriad of other guests, uh, some seminary students, the interns from the church that she pastored, some neighbors, just a random mix of people. And I, I loved going. It was super fun. It was something that I ended up doing every single week for like four years. We had to take a little bit of a break for COVID, um, but when summer came and warmed up, we started meeting outside again, and we sat around a campfire in the fall during COVID just so we could all be together because it was something that we treasured so much. Every single Monday, and then all of a sudden I wasn't there anymore, and that was really hard, harder than I anticipated it being because it was a place where I could just go and feel at home. All I had to do was show up, and eat and go home. Nothing more was required of me than that. 
There's a woman named Sarah Miles who is a journalist and a writer, and now she actually has a very different job than any of that. Um, she wrote a book called Take This Bread, if any of you are familiar. And in it, she tells her conversion story. And she describes herself as a very unlikely convert, uh, a blue state, secular intellectual, a lesbian, a left-wing journalist with a habit of skepticism. She traveled around the world as a journalist, a war correspondent in Central America when there was so much unrest. But one morning when she was at her home in, I believe, California, maybe it was Arizona, we'll find out, um, she wandered into St. Gregory of Nyssa's church, Episcopal church, actually. Um, she doesn't have a real explanation for this. She said she was just out for a walk on Sunday morning and wandered in. And something changed for her that day. This church is a small and rather unique congregation. Um, so like us, they're liturgical, so they have like the call to worship and the prayer of confession, but something that they love to incorporate is art. And it takes the form of music like we do, but they also incorporate dance and art like painting and all sorts of other fine arts but in particular, dance and music come into play. In particular, they've created this music, dance, liturgy for the Eucharist, for the Lord's Supper, for communion, that is mystical and has incense and has steps and dances and movements that the little congregation does together. And it is something that even to us, might seem uncomfortable and different and kind of weird, even though the sacraments themselves definitely have a little bit of mysticism for everybody. So in comes Sarah Miles, who never went to church in her life, who did not claim to be searching for Jesus or wanting anything along these lines. And she came, and they have communion every week, and she experienced communion. And in this mystical, creative ceremony, the presence of Jesus found Sarah Miles in a way that no one expected, with results no one anticipated, like so much to the point that she wrote an entire book about this experience. So in our passage, we read a very different experience of the Lord's Supper from our experience here at Fort Street or from St. Gregory's. You see, at the time when people shared the Lord's Supper, it was a meal at somebody's house where they had a moment where they remembered Christ and the communion. So people would pack in the entire congregation into somebody's home and they would have a meal together. According to reports, the Corinthians weren't sharing the Lord's Supper correctly. Some people were going hungry while others were drunk. And to us, that might seem like a little odd, like how can you have a meal all together and some people eat and other people not? Um, but if we know a little bit more about the in context, I might be able to help you out with maybe why this happened. Um, so in a, in a house, just like our houses, the dining room was a smaller room where only like, you know, seven to nine people could fit in. And then outside, there was an atrium where another 20 to 40 people could fit. So there was this inner room, 
that was for, like the core special selected group that the host asked to be put there and then everybody else. And in the Corinthian society, the people that got to go and sit in there were the special ones, the higher class ones, the friends of the owner of the house. And if you have a house that big, you're going to be rich. So what was happening was the friends and higher class folks were getting invited into this intimate dining room while everyone else, the freedmen, the slaves, the women, were kept outside in the atrium. And instead of serving everyone the same thing, a huge meal might be set out for those people in the, in the dining room while everyone else was given whatever was left over. And people were choosing not to share the goodness of God's table with everyone. And so maybe that context makes it a little bit like easier to see why someone might not notice or, or maybe why it could have gone on so long because it's a little bit different than sitting at a big table and serving some people something and other people not. But I don't think it, it's an excuse for what they were doing. They took something that's supposed to be the pinnacle of unity. Remember we had World Communion Sunday a couple of weeks ago and that was all, all together across the world celebrate this good thing together as one church. It's something that Jesus draws us in and gives us a piece of himself. Jesus unites with us in our bodies in the meal. And they took it and split it and separated people based on who deserved what. Paul paints a beautiful picture after admonishing them for their mistakes of that separation of what communion is taking bread and wine in remembrance of Jesus as a celebration of Jesus, of the celebration of overcoming death together. Repeatedly talking about eating and drinking in memory of Christ. Our actions of the meal are a piece of the very sacrament. Our remembering, our coming together, our uniting together is a piece of it. And it's a deeply important piece to be fully participatory in the meal. Sarah Miles believed that deeply to the point where she believed that the generosity of the table was an outpouring to the entire community. It began when she took communion on that Sunday and Jesus, she said, lodged like a crumb in her throat. She couldn't get rid of him he was there. She kept returning week after week to receive communion. There was something about the communal eating and drinking of bread that made her feel so connected to God and to the people around her. The way that the church welcomed her in and just accepted her as she was and gave her a piece of their table, a piece of their meal together that transformed her and what she did with her life. She writes, because of how I had been welcomed and fed in the Eucharist, I saw starting a food pantry, not as an act of outreach, but one of gratitude. To feed others means acknowledging our own hunger and at the same time acknowledging the amazing abundance we're fed with by God. So Sarah Miles started a food pantry 
And it wasn't just like any food pantry. She had, she would set up tables in the actual sanctuary where people would come and be served food. And not only setting up other tables, she would take the communion table and take off the candles, take off the Bible, and set out food for people to take from the actual communion table. And it was not clean and easy and fun. I mean, can you imagine trying to convince the, the session that we should clear this off and put food for people to fight over on the communion table? I don't think that would go over well. And you know, there would be people lined up outside the church service because they would do it Sunday afternoon. And they would be just hanging out there, waiting, causing a ruckus, being loud when we're supposed to be in here praying quietly. It was a mess. But it was also a beautiful expression of the generosity of God's table. They fed family after family, and their food pantry grew. It grew to the point where they, uh, the nonprofit that they created to, to put on the food pantry at their church grew into 14 more food pantries in the area. And I believe that we can do similar things here. Um, I am not saying that we need to move open door up here. I don't think that would work very well. The kitchen, they've got a great system. I'm not going to crawl into that. I don't think we need to expand our food pantries to new heights. I think that we are finding our own niche right here. But I do believe that we can set the table for others, that what Fort Street has is unique and special, and we can share that with others around us. But we need to prepare ourselves to do that. We're given the same gifts here that the early church was given, where Paul believed that they could create a more inclusive table for everyone. We have the same spirit that uh, St. Gregory had, and we can do the same abundant giving. Generosity is key to even just putting on communion every week. Last week, we had someone who had to buy the bread to bring it in, someone to come in early and pour the cup of wine into the, the bigger goblet, not goblet, no, carafe. Hmm? Fancy word, I'm sure there's somewhere out there that I should have learned at seminary. And then someone has to clean out all those dang little cups afterwards, all those tiny glass cups. Even just having communion is this act of generosity on behalf of our congregation. People around you that are sitting next to you in the pew every day are giving of their time, of their energy, so that we can participate fully in communion with ourselves and with Christ. But I think we can be generous in other ways as well. It's not just about communion, but I love the idea of this meal, right? The way that we can set community up for our church. I see the generosity that's already here and present, and it makes me so much, exci so much more excited for what is to come. I saw Nancy Jennings bringing in flowers for Garrett and Sarah's installation. They were beautiful and she just brought them because she wanted to make this space more beautiful for this like really special and unique moment. I see people who are 
coming in and working on the finance committee, putting in time and energy to make sure our church is cared for, our staff is cared for, and that we're thinking about ways that we can engage our community well. They're generous with their time, they're generous with their imagination, and I think we can all learn a little bit from them. Another way that I've seen generosity starting at Fort Street that I'm really excited to share with all of you because it hasn't quite started officially yet um, is that we are going to start giving out gifts to first-time visitors. Um, a lot of churches do this. They might have like a little coffee like gift card to their coffee shop that their church has or you know a little mug or something that has Fort Street on it and we we might do that. I don't know. Um, but the staff would like to share generosity and our spirit of generosity and hospitality and our care for Detroit um, with our first-time visitors and show them like how important that is to us. So soon we will have new connection cards in the pews. They aren't there now, so don't look. But they will be there within the next week or so. And on that, there will be an invitation for uh, visitors to Fort Street to go to our website and select a Detroit nonprofit. And when they tell us which one they want and who they are, we will donate in their name to that nonprofit. Um, we think that would express the hospitality and generosity, the way that we love our city, the way that we want to care for those who are poor and marginalized, and we want to share that and include our new visitors and guests in that. I really miss Monday nights. I miss the community. I miss the delicious food. I miss the free meal a week that I didn't have to clean up after or make on my own. I miss like our really like silly checking questions that Miriam's kid would come up with. Like a lot, we got asked our favorite animal I think for probably three months in a row, once a week, because that was what Alita really, really, really cared about knowing. And I said that all I had to do was show up and eat and then I could leave. And, that, and that's the truth. And for the long time, that's really all I did was I would show up and eat and talk and leave. And sometimes that's all we need to do, especially when we're new to a space and to a community. But I know that at some point, Miriam would ask me to help out. And eventually, I fell into rhythms as things became more familiar to me. My friend James and I, when both of us got there, we would go down to the basement and grab the leaves for the table and bring them back up so that we could make the table bigger to make sure everyone could fit. I figured out where all the plates and the napkins and the silverware were so that I could go set the table while uh, everyone else was helping finish up cook. And, you know, I might clear the dishes before running back to do my homework for the night. One time, I even made a pie. I know, you guys are all very surprised at my cooking prowess. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I could give, putting leaves in a table and a pie. And this is our church home. Many of us didn't start here. Or we've been welcomed in by the community, by the universality of the church, by the grace of God. We are all here. And I think we can bring things to the table. I know that you all love your potlucks very dearly. 
And that is one way to set the table for sure. I was introduced to them very early on and I will continue to support the potluck theme and mission. And I hope that we can bring that to other places at our church as well. We need to bring all the different things that a church needs, you know? And there, there are times and places for everything. Sometimes you might not be able to bring something. And that is the time where you get to come and rest in the abundance of God and in the abundance of your community that is caring for one another. I know that for me, I, I needed a little jolt, a little invitation to, to step in and start participating more fully in, in my community. So if that's what you're waiting for, consider that right now. Would you help? Would you help us set the table at Fort Street? I don't know what exactly you can bring, but I hope you can bring something. If it's silverware, it could be silverware. If it's bringing out the leaves, it can be bringing out the leaves of the table. If it's creating a really delightful mac and cheese, I've heard that there's some really good mac and cheese around here, or whatever else that might look like. If you consider this your church home, I think that would be a, a great way to start because for me, claiming that space as my home was the beginning of participating in the community more fully. I loved being not the intruder, but I was like a part of the dinner, of the flow, of the rhythms of life together. And I think we can create life together as well. I know that often when the church asks these type of questions, we jump to money or volunteering for the tech team or, you know, all the basics, you know, the meat and potatoes of a meal. But I hope that you can be generous with your imagination in the same way that our finance committee is, the same way that Pastor Sarah and Garrett are, and imagine a little bit more fully what you might bring. Flowers for installation services are usually not on the lists of things to volunteer for, but they bring beauty and life in a way that creates a more beautiful space. This is a pretty big organization. It has all the same needs as a nonprofit or a business. So maybe you are wildly good at Excel spreadsheets and you might be able to help us create a new wedding or worship schedule flow help us figure out how to make things a little bit more clear. Or maybe you worked at uh, an American Eagle or an Old Navy or something, and you know exactly how to make jeans more accessible at our open-door clothing closet. Because let me tell you, it's a little bit of a mess down there. There is so much beauty in all the ways that we are created and the ways that we all think and the gifts that we have been given, the generosity that God has given us that we can show up and do so many different things for each other. So I, I ask that you could help us make this a more open place for everyone, where people can come and feel cared for, a beacon of rest and peace and hope and life and community in the heart of this city. Pray with me, please. God, thank you for your abundant gifts. Thank you for the ways that you have created us all so uniquely. 
Help us to move in ways that honor you. You are good and a gracious God. Help us reflect that generosity and hospitality to everyone in our midst. Amen.